8, and uh, I like to always just make a quick pass through the book of Proverbs and pick one um, verse of the day. So I picked actually two today, verse 22 and 23 from chapter 8. The Lord brought wisdom forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. Wisdom was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. The Lord created wisdom before he created the earth. Did you ever have an experience in life where things aren't really what they seem? Oh, did we lose our... Oh, okay. So, so have, you, have you ever had a situation like that where you, at face value, started to do something and um, things just did not... They were not what you thought they were. You found out later that you had, you had made some assessments, you looked at things you thought you understood, and what happened wasn't at all what... This is not going to make much sense because I had pictures to put up during this time. Um, you can think of that. Or have you ever seen a picture of something that you can interpret in more than one way? You can look at the picture and you see a story of something. You can see a couple of different things going on at the same time. Stand by. Okay, so um, there's the, you're, what you're right now is you're seeing this picture. It's one of those, those optical illusions. You have to imagine it with me. It's one of those optical illusions where you see two people and you see more than one thing. So you can see more than one thing at a time, or you see a picture where you know there's some stuff going on. There's a story going on. The next picture is actually a picture of a tree, and there's a... Um, go to the... Go one more. Okay, that's not... Things aren't as they seem. Okay. It's just, it's really just a truck paint job. It's, everything's decent, but it's perfectly placed and he's wearing his matching shirt for the day. Um, or things can come across more than one way to interpret them. Next picture. Okay, what is this exactly? Is this two profiles or is it two people sitting? This kind of stuff fiddles with my mind. I, I really don't like them. Or there's sometimes we see a picture and we think we know the whole story. I'm not really sure what's going on there. And for you cat lovers, here's one more picture. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but I know cat lovers love their cats, so here's the next picture. I don't know what that is. <laughs> 1 Samuel 16. There's no dogs in today, sorry. But 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, tells this truth about us human beings, and that's that we tend to look on the outside. We look on the outside, and then we draw our conclusions based on what we see. God is different. Word says that God looks upon the heart and he gets a much clearer picture and, than, than what we do. We mistakenly believe that we can measure character by sometimes looking on the outside. And um, so, for example, the word liar, we, we, we make an assessment sometimes by just the way we look at somebody, which leads to misreads. We see something and we realize that we're not seeing what we thought we were seeing in the first place. We interpret with our eyes, we summarize with our heart, and then based upon whatever personal filters, we all have our own set of personal filters, we, 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 those filters are things like our maturity, our experiences, our pain, our hurts, our dreams, our faith, our hope. Those things somehow go into the mix, and based on what we see, we conclude, and we, we, we create this story that we tell ourselves that we believe. And then we live in that story. What do you think is happening to these two people? There's two people. 
What do you think is going on in this story? Are they making up? Are they making out? Maybe it's something else. <laughs> That's what you get for making assumptions about looking something, something from behind, from the outside. Things are not always the way that they seem to me. I look at things and I think, you know, sometimes a few more facts and a few more details would really help me out. Things are not always what they seem. Circumstances sometimes in life, our circumstances, can leave us a little bit puzzled. Too many times life is absolutely like working with a puzzle. And I'm sorry I'm blocking this for some of you. This is just a visual aid. You can see a puzzle here. Well, a lot of a puzzle. And um, it's life can an awful lot sometimes be like working with a puzzle. We get these pieces in our hands, these puzzle pieces. And, and how do you go about, you ever worked on a puzzle like this? I mean, I found out by spending some time with some people. We had a staff meeting Thursday, and um, among that, I put a puzzle out on a table and said, hey, work on this while we do our stuff. And then I've worked on puzzles with people other times. But people have their ways of doing puzzles, okay? There's the, the people who, who would say, okay, first thing you do is you turn all of them over and you sort them according to their similar colors, right? How many people here are, get them by their colors, uh, oh, come on, you can, this is, this, is not, this is not sin. You can raise your hand, okay? So you, so you sort them out by their colors, and that's how you do it. Other people, no, 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 no. Get me the edges. Get me the corners. Oh, the edges have it here. Wow. You, you get the corners, and you get them out. Uh, we'll deal with the colors of the edges later, but we start with the edges, and we work our way. Then there's another group of people that say, uh, you guys are all nuts. I'm going to go watch the game. You go ahead and do the puzzle. <laughs> You know, so, so, so we, you and I, we have this, this problem. We're working with the puzzle, and we always end up with this one piece. Excuse me just a minute while I fit this piece. You know, and it just, it doesn't work. Give me some scissors. I can make this fit. I know it goes in here somewhere. The color looks right. Actually, this piece doesn't even belong to this puzzle. But we get this puzzle piece, and we, we want to make the thing go. And the thing is this. We're working on this puzzle, and, and, and although we can get our similar colors, and we can get our, our edge pieces, and we can figure a lot out, but what we really need to complete the puzzle is this. We need that. You can be really good and challenge yourself, but you'll never really know until you have one of these, the complete picture will really, really help you understand and complete your puzzle. And the thing is, that we don't have that. We go through life, we do not have the box top of life. I don't mean to be you know, silly, but we don't have that. God has it. You and I try, and we have these, these little puzzle pieces, and we can think about where they go and how they fit, and the shapes are all odd. And, 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 and we go through life sometimes, and we have these puzzle pieces, and it's just the things going on, they just don't always add up, and it leaves us a little bit puzzled. Just a little bit puzzled. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it, here's God speaking to us through his word. He says, he says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial 
and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. We have a now, our present reality, and we're looking forward to a then. I don't know if that's me or not. And we're going to know things clearly in the then. So we get a bunch of these puzzle pieces, and we begin to work through them, and we are in the now right here with these puzzle pieces. And we get sometimes pieces that you know, we look at and we think, I don't really understand this piece. In fact, I can't seem to make it fit in my circumstances. In fact, I'm not even sure I like this puzzle piece. And we live with this tension. We live with this tension. And, and uh, so we get a bunch of these pieces. And, and maybe, maybe for you, this piece is, you know, you lost your job. And you were thinking, well, hey, this job is good. Um, this is going to work out. This is going to be the provision for me and my household. I'm, I like what I'm doing. I like the people I'm working with. And one day, somehow, it's gone. And you're in the now. And you didn't need to know about the then. God, what's the deal? I don't understand. Or maybe you, the, your puzzle piece is you, you thought you were going to live a long and healthy life and that you were going to watch your grandchildren grow up and your great-grandchildren and you were going to attend weddings and do all that stuff. And then one day, the doctor says to you, it's cancer and it's just not good. And the clock's running. And you're living in the now with a puzzle piece you don't understand and you need to know about the then. What's going on? You're wondering, what's going on? Or maybe your marriage is spiraling out of control or, or, or maybe it's already crashed and burned and you've already lived through a terrible, nasty, heart, heart, terrible divorce and you're saying, this is not what I was planning, it's not what I was thinking, it's not what I signed up for and you're living in the now with this puzzle piece and you don't know about the then. And we live in this tension, this tension. We, 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 how do we live in the now while trusting God for the then? There's our tension. We live in the, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we live in the now right now with this, this tension, trusting for God in the then? For some answers, I want to look at a story in Matthew chapter 11, and, uh, um, verses, starting in verses 2 and 3. And the Bible here is talking about uh, John, uh, John the Baptist. Says, now, when John, who was in prison, I think it's important for us to establish here that we're, which John we're talking about. This is John the Baptist that we're talking about here. And he's, he's the same John the Baptist that in Old Testament prophecy, um, there was word that, that God said, I'm going to send one to prepare the way like a voice crying in the wilderness. This is that John the Baptist. Um, this is the same John the Baptist. John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was cousins with Mary, Jesus' mom. So if you're keeping score, that makes John the Baptist and Jesus, our Savior, second cousins. Okay, okay. so if you keep a score, so there's a family relationship. In fact, the scriptures say about John that he would be filled with the Spirit even while he's in his mother's womb. And one day, Mary, Mary goes over to visit Elizabeth. You can read about this in, in Luke. And uh, he goes over to visit. And then um, the scripture says that when John, inside of his mommy's womb, heard Mary's voice through the tummy, it says he leapt in the womb. The Holy Spirit was already involved in him in his mother's womb. And by the way, this is a complete rabbit trail that I've just built a firewall. Don't go down this because I want to. 
I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to tell you what it is, okay? <laughs> There's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit that when you're in the presence of the Savior, you're, you, will, you will leap. Okay, that's just one of the signs of being filled with the Spirit, okay? Just, I'm not going to go down there because I just can't today. But this is that same John the Baptist. In fact, he, he was at one point out baptizing people in the river, and, and, um, and he sees Jesus and his guys are coming towards him. He says, behold, this is the Lamb of God. He sees Jesus come. This is that John the Baptist. This is the John the Baptist that baptizes Jesus in the river. And when that happens, a dove descends upon, (laughs) lands on Jesus. He baptizes the guy up. This dove comes down. The skies open up and this voice comes out of heaven. This is my son in whom I'm pleased. The voice of God that everybody present heard. This is that John the Baptist. Okay, so we've established now that this is John the Baptist that's in prison. And, um, he ought to know that Jesus is the Savior, right? Can, is that fair, safe for us to say? Okay, he knows who it is. Okay. Verse 2. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? What? <laughs> what? Did, how can you ask that, John? Are you crazy? I mean... After everything that you have gone through and known until now, you leapt in your mother's womb, you baptized the guy, you said, behold, comes all, you're the fulfillment, you, John the Baptist, are fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. How can you ask that? Well, it's because John the Baptist is in prison. He's got one of these. He doesn't understand his circumstances in life. He's in prison and he's not getting out. And he's starting to question Jesus. He's starting to question the Messiah. Seriously, are you the Messiah? Or should we look for somebody else? Crazy question he's asking. But if you and I are really real about this today, every one of us has been there. Every one of us. You and I have all had a moment like that where, God, are you in this? Because I don't understand. This hurts. I've tried. I'm trying Really? Really, God? I need to understand this does not make sense. And John's saying, God, are you sure? Because I didn't sign up for this. Look, I was out in the wilderness. Because, and you know, out there in the wilderness, there's no Marriott. There's no running water. There's no showers. I was wearing this itchy, scratchy thing. It smells terrible. Yeah, sure, I had a little bit of honey, but you know, I was out there, God, I ate locusts. Locusts. I would go to town and saddle up next to a sweet young thing, and she'd say, excuse me, but you have locust breath. (laughs) It's like, God, I've gone through a lot for you. This does not make sense. Explain this. And he says to his disciples, go ask him, go ask him. Go ask him, (laughs) you know, are we supposed to look for somebody else or is he the Messiah? So John's disciples saddle up and they go. Verse continues, verse four. And Jesus replied, here we go now. Words in red. Here's Jesus talking back to the disciples. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, this is the point in Scripture where all the Christians go, yeah! 
We're all excited now. I mean, we, 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 we jump up, we high-five each other, spirit fingers for Jesus. <laughs> we do all that stuff. We're putting pieces together. The puzzle pieces work perfectly here. I am the puzzle ninja, okay? <laughs> you married me, baby. <laughs> and we feel really good because everything's working like we think things work. They're always going to work. But then Jesus says something that, you know, kind of creates maybe a theological hiccup. A hiccup's going on here. He says, go back and tell them all that stuff. The lame walk and the blind see. Oh, and tell them one more thing. Verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Hmm, hold it, hold it, hold it, whoa, 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 whoa. I like that part about the lame walking, but you said, blessed, what does that mean? Blessed are anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. And Jesus is saying to John, John, I am the Messiah when the blind see. I'm the Messiah when the deaf hear. I'm the Messiah when the lame walk. And John, I'm still the Messiah when you stay in prison. And I'm still the Messiah when you don't get out. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. John's saying to, Jesus is, is saying to John, you know, there's a lot of good stuff, yes, and yeah, I'm the Messiah. But my sovereignty, John, does not depend on your circumstance. My sovereignty, Terry, does not depend on your circumstances. And for us, in our lives, we, you know, sometimes we get these puzzle pieces and we don't understand them, but God's sovereignty does not depend upon our circumstances. And Jesus is telling John, you know, here's the deal. I know you've got some now. There's some now going on in your life, and you don't like it. I, I get that. But you just don't see it yet. You just don't see it yet. John, you don't have one of these. I do. And I can see things, John, that you just don't see. And I've got a plan. And it's beautiful when it gets completed. Trust me, John. There's a then coming. And, and these pieces belong, you know, this is where it goes, John. I'll show you when the time is right. And you'll see it come together. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be beautiful. You just don't see it quite yet. There's a then coming. How do we live in the now and trust God for the then. Well, I want to just just uh, pause in that for just a minute and, and talk about something that can many times trip up people who are following Christ. We find ourselves in this now and waiting for the then, and we start to question Jesus just like John did. And you know, are you the Messiah, or are we supposed to watch for somebody else? Or you know, I, I thought things were supposed to be different than this. I thought if I walked with you, I thought if I gave my tithes, I thought if I did this, I thought if I did that, the things were going to line up and be polished and shiny. I didn't really realize I was still going to be in prison. And we and we question God. And. Our enemy, Satan, he comes and he's, he's the father of lies. He, he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And he starts whispering lies. He does. He whispers lies to us, you know. See? Here you are, Mr. Super Christian, Mrs. Super Christian. And a little trouble comes your way and you're bailing out. 
See, you know, now, now God doesn't want anything to do with you because you don't have any faith. In fact, if you had faith, you wouldn't be in this problem to begin with. And that's a lie. Those are lies. You know, there's a scripture that says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you hear something whispered into your soul that condemns you, which is different than conviction, when it condemns you, you know that voice is not from heaven. Heaven doesn't condemn. Holy Spirit will convict sometimes, say, hey, left rudder, you're heading into trouble and you know it, stop it. That's different. But condemnation is, if you, didn't have, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be here to begin with and God doesn't want anything to do with you because you don't have enough faith. That's, those are lies from hell. And he comes in and he whispers those things to us. And, and here's you know, John, and the floor has just dropped out from underneath him He's in prison, doesn't look like it. And, and, and he reacts by questioning Jesus. He's pretty real in that way. And how does Jesus in turn react to John? I love this. In the middle of all of John's doubts, in the weakness of his faith, Matthew eleven eleven. here's Jesus. He, here's what he has to say about John. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, which is pretty much every one of us, right? There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. In the middle of John's failing doubt, Jesus still verifies how much he loves him. I love that. He understands, Jesus understands the tension of the now that we live in and the waiting for the then. And, and he loves John right through all of it. Because frankly, God is big enough for our questions. He's big enough. He's big enough for our fist pumping in the air. He, he's big enough for that. He's big enough for the little temper tantrums that we throw sometimes and, and when we're beating on the table and trying to force the pieces to fit and they don't fit like we think they ought to. So how do we live in the now, trusting God for the then? Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a one-line direction answer on this and I apologize in advance that it's so simple. It, it could be offensive. I don't mean for it to be because actually living this out is really, really not easy at all. It's pretty complicated. It's this. In the doubts of today's, Doubts of our todays, we trust in his tomorrows. In the now, when things don't look good, when they don't make a lot of sense, we trust in his tomorrows. That's why we put our faith in, in God and not in our circumstances, not in an outcome that we would like for him to, to handle for us. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it says, for I know the plans I have for you. God has plans for you and for me. And he says, he says plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. And that's really, really good news. It's, it's really good news that God has great plans for you and for me, stuff even though that we don't see it right now. And I know the now can feel a little bit puzzling. But he says, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I've got a plan. I'm working out something really special, beautiful, and you just don't see it yet. And we put our faith then not in the, the circumstances that we're in, not in a specific outcome that we think should be, although that's our tendency, our tendency is we, we're faced with a problem and we describe, God, I got this problem. Here's what you need to do. In fact, if it's going to be okay, here's how it will be defined, what okay is. You understand that now, God? Because all things else, that's just not going to be okay. And you've got to do it this way, God. For example, a doctor says to you, you know, you've got cancer and it's terminal. And maybe he'd say something to you like, one, two, three, four, five months to live. I've heard people told that before. And then God visits you in a powerful moment. And he says, hey, 
It's going to be okay. You know you've been visited by God. You know you've heard something. Woohoo! I've been healed. I don't care what the MRI says. I don't care what the doctor says because God is healing me. And God's saying, slow down. Slow down a second. That's not what I said. I said to you, it's going to be okay, and it will be. But no, we want to tell God what it's got to be if it's going to be okay. We say, no, Lord, you have to heal me. You've got to do it this way. But God's sovereignty doesn't depend on our circumstances. And when we find ourselves in the doubts of today, what we need to do is is trust in his tomorrow because our faith needs to not be in an outcome that we want. Our faith needs to be in God. I, I saw this. I saw this happening with my father. Um, I'll, I'm not going to go into much detail about this. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, I think, next week. Um, but I want to share that um, my father had been told that uh, he was he was terminal, and uh, he had that conversation. And the doctor said, "You have probably five months." And. Um, Um, a lot went on um, in our lives in those in that now, and a lot of prayer. And uh, I had a private moment with my dad. I was alone with him at one point, and I wanted to cut through everything, cut through all the stuff that was going on, and all of the. I don't mean to call it noise, but there was a lot, a lot of static in my life. Hard for me to keep my my sea legs, if you, if you will. And I loved my father, and I cared about him. I didn't want him to go, but it looked like it was headed that way. And, um, but I wanted to cut past that and get into the, the center of things. So I was alone with my father one day, and I looked him in the eye. I don't know if I've ever told anybody else this. And I said, Dad, are you afraid to die? I, I, I somehow was trying to muster strength for my father because he was facing something that I wasn't facing, and I just wanted to help him. I don't know if that's very much help or not. <laughs> but alone, I said to him, Dad, are you afraid to die? And he um, looked at me, and I saw a peace come over him that was not manufactured. And he said, no, I'm not afraid to die. And he said to me, <laughs> he said, I had a visitation from the Lord. And he told me, it was going to be okay. That's a quote. And there's a whole lot more to that story. I, I know this, that my, my father not only taught me how to live, but he taught me how to have faith. And he taught me how to die. I don't want to do that. I want that lesson very soon. But his faith was in God. It was not in an outcome. And you need to know, I'll share about this more next week. You need to know, we did the anoint with oil. We did the prayer of the elders. We did the things the scripture tells us to do. But my father was okay. And he had been promised by the Lord in person that it would be okay. That conversation that I had with him was happening in his now. A man who loved God, loved his family, sacrificial, generous, godly. Many of you knew him. That was his now. That was my now. That was my mother's now, my sister's now. It was my family's now. And he said, 
I trust in God, not in an outcome, not in something specific that he has to be. And I, I would like to stand here in front of the church and tell you that, you know, <laughs> this, everything worked out fine, and there was this miraculous healing, and the cancer was gone, and they didn't understand it, and it was verified, and the report said, he miracle. That's not what happened. Now, I have one of those stories with him. You know, there was a time earlier where he, on a Sunday morning, collapsed in the kitchen, and I didn't know it because I was at church ministering, doing that pastor thing we do, busy bees on Sunday mornings especially. And, and um, I get this phone call from my mother who's heard this sound. And the shortened story is she went and found him collapsed on the floor in the kitchen and started doing what she knew to do, 9-11, all that stuff. And the, the, the terror of those moments, really, to a non-responsive life mate they come and they pack them up and off they go with the lights flashing. In the meantime, I've left the church to come and pick my mother up to go to the, go to the hospital. And as, as I'm getting off the freeway off-ramp to get to her house, I'm watching the 9-11, you know, the, 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 the ambulance going on with the lights flashing. And I know my father is in that vehicle and he's hanging on by nothing. And I go and I find my mother and off we go. And we get to the hospital and... And it's touchy. They say, get the family here. This isn't good. And all the things that you would expect when it's over. And the Lord did in that circumstance reach in to that now. And he gave us the outcome we wanted. He resurrected. I use that word, I really believe, by permission. He took my father from an edge. So I do have that story too where the prescribed outcome, Lord, save my father. Fix this puzzle piece. Stick it in there now. I have that story too. But I've also got the one where five months and goodbye is what the doctors are saying. And here's the deal. My father is gone now. He was told it will be okay. And he's gone. Yet, at the same time, then and now, he is okay. He really is. Just as Jesus promised. When we, when you and I understand God's goodness, we also understand that sometimes we get these puzzle pieces that we really don't like and we struggle to understand what they are. But the Bible teaches us in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We serve a God who's got something way bigger in his heart and his mind about us than what we think. We just read in the Bible that the Lord has a plan for us. He's got a future and a hope. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's got something else going on and it's higher than our ability even to think. In fact, God takes all these little puzzle pieces that we have. Some of them we're great with, we love them. In other ones, we don't like them. We don't get them. He takes all of them 
And he tells us in the book of Romans that all these puzzle pieces work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Every single puzzle piece. The broken heart, the I don't understand it, the I, this hurts, the I didn't sign up for this. Every single puzzle piece, God takes every one of those and works them together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And he puts it together into a beautiful picture. Every single piece. In fact, what I know is that God holds this box top, if you will. He holds that in his hands. And he's good and he's loving. And I choose, while I'm in my doubts, I choose to trust in his tomorrows. But then, the then that we're looking for might come soon. Or it might not come for years. Or it may not come until after you draw your last breath. But the then is coming. And God is working to put all those pieces together for you, for your good. How do we live in the now, trusting the God for the then? In the doubts and the confusion of today, we trust in his tomorrows. Let me pray over you. Lord, I know it can be a really tender sometimes.